This last week, I made a difficult decision. I decided to step back from a teaching role, and that's hard. Because I like teaching, and I like respect and influence that I get when people know I'm a teacher, and I'll miss my students, and I don't like disappointing those who are depending on me. And when people ask me what I do, I like to have a long list of good things to impress them with, and when I take teaching out, my list gets shorter. Ouch. So the day I made that decision, I asked my buddies and my wife for prayer because it triggered all those insecurities. But it was the right decision. Now this role, it just adds too much stress to my family, and it isn't what I feel God's calling me to at this time. I have a tendency to say yes to far too many great opportunities and good ways to serve. But when I do too many things, I do none of them well. Can you relate to that? I've done that a lot in my life. So actually, it was kind of a big deal for me to do this this week and send that email to the school on Tuesday morning. And I actually felt like God was affirming me, saying I've matured and he's proud of me. That's nice. Super encouraging. But I still almost sent another email I wrote before the day was out. Going back on what I said, I'm going to stay in the teaching role and return to my comfort zone. And even today, it's still tempting, honestly. And then in just a few days that have followed, I've had so many great ideas. My dad suggested we start a Discovery Bible study or an Alpha course in our village. Yes, definitely. Such a great idea. And then I talked with some guys from the church. I realized we need a men's Bible study to help them in their journey with Jesus. It's a need, so I should do it, right? And then opportunities come knocking. Matt, can you help translate? Can you teach English? Can you distribute Bibles? Can you network at two upcoming conferences? Can you travel and teach in India? Can you do this online disciple-making training and attend this webinar on kids' ministry and listen to this podcast that will help you understand the culture of this generation's teenagers? And yes, of course, yes to all of them. They all sound great. <laughs> I honestly uh, think that sounds wonderful. I'll, I'd love to do all of those things. You see any problem with that? <laughs> I struggle with what some people call Messiah Complex. I want to help everyone and fix every problem and basically replace Jesus as the savior of the world. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, of course, that's not what I want. But sometimes I do have that tendency. There is no way I can do all these great things and remain faithful to the media ministry, the church youth group, and loving my family and what God's called me to right now and still be available for divine appointments and the Holy Spirit just bringing unexpected opportunities into my life that, you know, to just share Jesus with a stranger and and, and to not be in too much of a, a hurry, not be overbooked. But I love variety and, and new things and I'm so easily distracted from less exciting roles of like video editing and production and I actually need to be really careful and prayerful about every opportunity that comes. I think I'm getting better at that, especially since getting married. Um, some of you know this. You should run things by your spouse before you may make decisions. Um, I remember one of my mentors challenging me, do you want to grow watermelon or teak trees? One takes less than three months. 
the other takes 20 to 30 years. And I realized that when I jump around and do lots of exciting little opportunities, it's fruitful. It's a tasty watermelon, but the value, the impact of investing into a few people or one project for 30 years, that could be so much more transformational. And yeah, it just it just hit me. I've never forgotten that. He said that years ago. I found Richard Rohr's explanation of the Enneagram helpful in seeing my spiritual weakness in this area. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, you know there's nine numbers and people usually identify with one primarily and a, a wing or a secondary one. I clearly see myself as a type one <laughs> who, when immature, gets angry inside that things aren't perfect and try to control situations and fix people and fix problems. And my secondary is type two, which, when immature, will sacrifice everything to care for and meet the needs of everyone except myself. God is gently teaching me to release control, to pray and trust instead of strive. He guides me to get my needs met in Him instead of in what I do, and to hope in Him instead of hoping others will not just receive all the love that I give, but respond by loving me back and so meet the needs in me that I haven't had time to address. The good news is that Jesus fills my heart and meets my need every time. Through spending time with him and being vulnerable with the family of God he's placed around me. Every time. He helps me to grieve my losses, to embrace my limits, and experience his infinite goodness in my finite brokenness. The journey of discovering our calling is lifelong. And like reading the Bible, there's probably plenty of things you and I still don't understand. And let's keep asking him to reveal those things to us. But let's not miss what we do understand. Whatever he's already shown you, I want to encourage you, be faithful to that. Even if it's boring. <laughs> Even if it's hard. Even if there's so many distractions and other opportunities that look as juicy as a cool watermelon on a hot summer day, or just any average day in Thailand, don't try to be the Messiah. Trust God to clearly tell you to do them or, or to take care of them without you. He, he can do that. Go back and remember what he's spoken to you, directly, through his word, through others. If I were to guess without knowing anything about your specific situation, I'd say God's probably calling you closer to himself, to love him with all your heart, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'd say he's probably calling you to love your neighbors and enemies as yourself, to forgive those who've hurt you, to give more generously, and to share Jesus with those around you. I'd say he's probably calling you to persevere through the trials you're facing instead of giving up and to vulnerably share your brokenness with people who will accept, love, and pray for you. Just a guess. I remember a YWAM leader exhorting my friends and I many years ago, if God has called you to be here and do this, remember how he spoke to you and confirmed it, and don't leave unless you have at least equally strong confirmation to go. I'll never forget that. Um... After growing up on the mission field and serving in Thailand for nearly 12 years now, I've seen lots of people come with passion and leave discouraged. For some of them, I'm not sure whether they were called to go back or 
just gave up because it was hard. It's not my place to judge, but whether it's about leaving the mission field or just giving up on a person or giving up on a situation, let me exhort you today. Listen to God and do what he says. No more, no less. And don't give up. What's down to you from what I've shared today? And what's been your experience? Do you know anyone else who needs to hear this? I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.